0: what's up everyone welcome to episode 39 of preloaded my name is josh finderup and i'm joined as always by the other half of preloaded
1: jackson vanover how you doing this week jackson I'm doing great, Josh. Uh, Just a heads up for you listeners and Josh, if you hear a chainsaw in the background, I'm not being chased. Uh, My neighbor decided to chop down a tree uh, during our recording, which, you know, it happens, right? People that make content, you know, it happens all the time, but otherwise doing great. So
0: it's not Resident Evil in your house?
1: No, not quite. (laughs) All right. Well,
0: yeah, thanks everyone for uh, joining us this week. We've got a great show for you. We are going to, uh, we got a ton of Starfield news. So much, in fact, that we are going to make our deep dive topic this week kind of a what the hell is going on with Starfield segment. Uh, but before we get to that, we have a bunch of news to talk about. We have some um, some interesting Warner Brothers news, some Summer Game Fest details, and um, a bunch of stuff. Last of Us Part 2 News coming out this week. So stick with us for all of that. But first, you can catch Preloaded. We post it every Friday over on Jackson's YouTube channel. He's JV, E. If you're not already subscribed on YouTube, or if you prefer to listen, you can catch the audio version over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms, we'd love for you to leave a review. Drop us a five-star review if you're enjoying the show or even a written review if you want to let people know why you enjoy listening. If you want to have a question of yours read on the show, you can write us at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We uh, open our mailbag every week and dig out one question and talk about it. So uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you. Send us your questions. And with all that out of the way, we are going to kick the show off, as we always
1: do, with our segment, What the Hell Have You Been Playing? So, Jackson, what the hell have you been playing? So, for me, Josh, um, I finally dove into the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Um, We got our, or I got my code, like, mid-last week, but I waited a few days because Assassin's Creed was coming out. Um, But long story short... Uh, I crushed the first game over the course of like three to four days, 25 hours played. Um, It really sucked me in and I loved pretty much every second of it. And the thing about that remaster is that it also showed me things that I just didn't notice before because of how poorly the game ran like it's it's you can't even really describe how bad it was on on uh, xbox before because it was so awful but yeah um just to see it kind of lifted up and given um those touches that they gave it yeah i just blew me away so i've that's pretty much what i've been playing for the most part nice yeah i saw your tweet uh i think after you'd finished
0: mass effect one and uh, you seemed very happy with it which <laughs> i i haven't heard anybody say much negative about this uh collection. So, I'm very excited to get into it at some point. Not sure when that will be.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you think. And uh, yeah, it seems like a very beloved series, at least the the original trilogy outside of the third game, like in the controversy. People seem to really be digging it. So that's great.
0: Yeah, I even read somebody on Twitter saying that after playing this, um, they would actually like to see uh, Andromeda kind of get a facelift and maybe this will piqued some people's interest in that game. I don't know. I didn't play Andromeda, so I really don't know if it's worth it, but uh, that was an interesting take, I thought.
1: Yeah, that that's uh, something I could talk about forever, so I'll just say <laughs> maybe. I mean, Andromeda is <clears throat> pretty, but I don't know if it warrants a remaster just yet. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad you're enjoying that. Um, I got into the rest of Resident Evil Village this week. I'm kind of behind the, the release calendar uh, a little bit, but finally finished that game and just loved it. Uh, uh Resident Evil Village will be among my games of the year I'm sure by the end of the year I just um loved the pacing of this game I loved how each it, it was split into kind of four or five kind of digestible sections um and you know the more I played Resident Evil 7 and then I played Resident Evil Village I'm really coming around to this first person Resident Evil format uh it's really addictive to me like I couldn't put either of them down once it clicked for me. So uh, just the way you kind of uncover the map and explore each area, find all the items. And then uh, uh, that along with the crafting and uh, kind of character progression mechanics from resident evil village. I really think that they are honing and fine tuning the resident evil formula just to be really uh, addictive and immersive.
1: So uh loved it. That's, that's really great to hear. That's awesome. I, I really enjoyed it too. Um, and like, I came into it with knowing of the criticism of the back part of the game. But, like, if you, again, I think I've already said this if you've played any Resident Evil game, that sort of campy, okay, you're going to start blowing stuff up vibe that's that is the DNA of these games. So, like, I love that too. I thought it was awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I do like that this, it, to me, it, it, um, even though it wasn't the, I miss the zombies, I miss the Umbrella Corporation backstory. But what I did like is that yeah, Village leaned more into that campiness than I feel like Resident Evil Seven did. Resident Evil Seven, I felt like just went straight horror, and right. this brought back some of that kind of silliness, and I really like that.
1: <laughs> I do too. Yeah, I think there's there's room for both. Um, and the discourse, I I was just like shocked by how negative it was. I don't know if you ran into that, Josh, but yeah, I I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah,
0: I did not. Um, uh, yeah, run into that. So uh, uh, news to me, but. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, great game, Um, and also uh, glad that you're liking Mass Effect. So that's what we've been playing. Uh, We'd be curious to hear what you guys have been playing. Have you been enjoying the Mass Effect trilogy or uh, Resident Evil Village? Let us know in the comments. And with that, we are going to get into the news of the week. And just uh, to kind of reiterate, we are going to talk about Starfield towards the end of the show. So if you're wondering where's all the Starfield news, we're saving it for our deep dive. But first... Uh, We got some uh, Grand Theft Auto 5 news. This is the game that uh, never dies and honestly probably never will until they bring out GTA 6. So GTA 5 is releasing on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series, including Series X and S, on November 11th of this year. Now, the standalone edition of GTA Online will release uh, the same day for free on PS5 for owners of the... uh, So wait, let me make sure I'm reading this right. Actually Jackson, do you want to do you want to cover this story? I think you added this.
1: Uh yes, yeah. So, uh the standalone version of GTA Online is going to release on the same day, but they the thing is is that Rockstar has a deal with um Sony. So, for PS5, you're going to get it for free for the first 3 months, which is like okay. a pretty big incentive. Yeah. Um I I would say if you can find a PS5 or if you're lucky enough to have one. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So Um, Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. And uh, just just moving forward, um, a spokesperson for this is a GameSpot article that I linked here. They said uh, that the new generation versions of GTA Five will feature a range of technical improvements, visual upgrades and performance enhancements to take full advantage of the latest hardware, making the game more beautiful and responsive than ever. That's very much corporate speak. But uh, essentially, the takeaway there is that more specific details and like trailers and stuff will be coming soon so you know keep your eyes on that yeah
0: so if you are looking for uh looking forward to playing these game or this game on uh, next gen hardware um there you go i think i just heard that this game had sold over 140 million copies so that's just bonkers that uh that's (laughs) i don't know if that's a record i think minecraft is up there too but that's just amazing
1: yeah, this is another way to bump up the numbers. Um, I just will go out and say I will buy this. I want to play it on next gen consoles, um, and I'll be happy to experience it again when it comes out. And I wouldn't be shocked if it dominates sales numbers this year too. Yeah,
0: I, yeah, I wouldn't. I, I, it'll be in the top ten for the NPD numbers, I would imagine, uh, after this comes out. It's just amazing what they've accomplished over at Rockstar. So good for them, and good for uh, people who want to uh, keep playing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next, uh, so this was a, a kind of a interesting story with not a lot of hard news for the gaming industry, but WB Games is being broken up doing due to an AT and T merger. So AT and T is going to kind of sell off their WB uh, Entertainment division. Uh, let me actually see what they call it. It is I have a uh, an article here. Um, Warner Media, so that's what they're spinning off to uh, Discovery. It seems like, and this has a this is because of their streaming of what's going on in the streaming landscape. To me, it sounds like basically AT and T has all these streaming properties. They're going to spin those off, combine them with Discovery, and make something that competes with Netflix. The thing is that that Warner Media division has a bunch of video game studios attached to it. And um, I had a list here. Those include Avalanche Software, who's making the new Harry Potter game, Monolith Productions, which makes the uh, Lord of the Rings Shadow series, uh, NetherRealm for Mortal Kombat, Rocksteady, uh, TT Games, who makes the Lego games, and then a bunch of just WB Games studios, WB Montreal, Boston, New York, San Diego, and San Francisco. So um, wh- I did some digging, and you know, I f- did find a... I think it was a Windows Central article that said that this won't affect their headline was literally this won't affect many of the studios or games involved. But then I read the article and they didn't, as far as I could tell, they did not say anything that backed that up. So I don't know why these studios would or wouldn't be affected, but that seems to be the industry consensus is don't worry if one of your favorite games is
1: developed by one of these studios. Everything's going to be okay. Right. I think that that was my general takeaway too. Um, It's just kind of like a, uh, by the way, you know, I I think that if, if a game like Suicide Squad, Gotham Knights, those are owned by some of these are made by some of these studios owned by Warner media. Yep. Um, Don't expect like sweeping changes. Expect those games to be the same. But I mean, I think it's reasonable to maybe expect something, some kind of general, not general shift, but just know that the owners are shifting and that can have an impact is all. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: just one to keep an eye on, you know, last year there was some uh, some rumors going around that the WB's gaming division uh, would be up for sale. Seen some people speculate that maybe this will bring back those rumors, but uh, I don't see why it would. It just seems like ownership is changing. Hopefully uh, they don't mess with these IPs that are uh, really valuable to a lot of people. Gamers, I mean.
1: Right. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: Yeah, so moving on, uh, some less kind of com- well, actually, I don't know if this is less complicated news. Um, <laughs> Summer Game Fest details were released. Uh, this is the kind of gaming calendar of events. I'll call it that. That is put together by Jeff Keighley, the host of the Game Awards, and you know, gaming personality he's kind of developed into. Anyway, he announced through the Summer Game Fest website and newsletter that the the that Summer Game Fest, whatever that is is going to kick off with an event called Kickoff Live on Thursday, June 10th at 11 a.m. Pacific time, uh, which is significant because that's actually before E3. And for me, one of the interesting things about this is it's still unclear to me whether or not Jeff Keighley is trying to basically usurp, or I think that's the word, E3 as a summer gaming platform or summer gaming news platform. Is he trying to overtake that? It seems to me like this is kind of a power play to do that, but that could just be me um, and feeding into some of this drama around this. But anyways, there are a bunch of different partners for Summer Game Fest that he's announced, including 2K, Activision, um, Sega. uh, Ubisoft is a very interesting one because they very specifically said that Ubisoft Forward is going to be part of E3, but now Ubisoft Forward is also part of Summer Game Fest. And that's what I mean when it seems like Jeff Keighley is kind of trying to develop this platform that might one day be
1: um, a bigger deal than E3. Who knows? Right. I, you know, I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't like think of that at all when I when I uh, read this news. Um, but Jeff typically uh, has made things in conjunction with E3 and the ESA, and so I think you make a very good point there. Um, that th- this is something that feels like it might. I mean, the game awards, we could just look at those numbers and how successful that's been yep. and how much it's grown. Um, and yeah, it could very well be that Jeff Keeley and the Summer Game Fest kind of takes over because the ESA just seems out of date, at least from uh, my perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's, um, it's very interesting. And also, uh, I should have announced this or should have mentioned this earlier, but this uh, kickoff live event, I believe, has been confirmed by Jeff to have... Twelve world premieres. He said it's going to be around two hours, which, if I remember the last thing, whatever the last thing Jeff Keeley did, it might have been the last Game Awards, was like four hours. So, <laughs> so long. <laughs> I hope it's tighter than that. But yeah, twelve world premieres. So there will be hopefully some news coming out of this kickoff live event. And I, you know, I, I'm just going to be very interested interested to compare this with whatever E3 does, um, if anything. Um, I'm not optimistic about E3's outlook this year, but this is going to be interesting to watch whatever Jeff Keighley does.
1: Sure. And and I think it's also interesting to note that some of these big partners, uh, Josh listed a bunch there, but I mean, you've also got Sony, you've got PlayStation, Xbox, EA. We know EA Play and Sony. Those are both huge things that are happening independent of um, E3, but they're here with the Summer Game Fest. So Yeah, I think Josh already said that, but I just want to clarify, this is, you know, he he has the pull to, you know, get these people in here to show their games. No,
0: that's definitely worth noting. And even more uh, uh, on that note, EA has their own event planned for July. I think it's July 22nd. Yet -hmm. they're going to be here. And I think it's worth mentioning that EA did say that their Battlefield reveal will hopefully come in June. So maybe that's maybe this is where that's going to happen.
1: Right. I wouldn't be shocked. It would make sense. Yeah,
0: and then PlayStation. Nobody knows what PlayStation's doing, but their logo is here amongst all these other partners. So, you know, hopefully we get more than just a Ratchet & Clank trailer to kick off the launch of that game, because this is literally a day before that game comes out.
1: (laughs) That's a really
0: good point. (laughs) I'm sure we'll see it uh, uh, in some form or fashion. So, anyways, Summer Game Fest. Uh, Look forward to that June 10th. And moving on, uh, we touched on Sony. They released, well, one of their big studios released some news this week. The last of us part two got a PS five PS five update. The game now runs at 60 frames per second on PlayStation five, or at least it should. Um, There's not a whole lot else going on with this, but uh, they do say that more enhancements are on the way for the last of us part two. And uh, this does kind of position them to, uh, you know, maybe implement some of the uh, technology that they implemented here on their next, uh, uh, remake for the original Last of Us, which we all now know they're making. So, interesting here and exciting if you do want to play this game on a PlayStation 5. Uh, but honestly, I'm just like, man, they are paying a lot of attention to The Last of Us that I'm not sure is honestly warranted. This, I, Like, The Last of Us Part Two looks so good.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> like, does it need this? I don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm being a party pooper here. I played... Uh, spider-man miles morales at 60 and was blown away and I, i'm a big stickler for frames and yeah. then i tried to go back and i i actually did specifically do this i went back to part two and tried to play it at 30 and uh it, it just felt choppy and i know that i would have gotten used to it um i i just think it signals a uh you know I, I guess not a trust but they're kind of investing in their their fans there i think this is a smart move in the long run yeah
0: and you are right. I mean, the, the difference between 30 and 60 is a major difference. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, this game looked amazing, but having it look even better, um, I don't know. Maybe I should give it a shot. But, uh, yeah, this this game is um, already one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful games I've ever played. So the fact that it looks better, I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't rain on that parade. That's cool. Yeah, I, I, it'll make me go back and play when I have some time. Yeah, so... The last news story that we got kind of leads into our topic of the week, but uh, Bethesda and Microsoft have confirmed, I know that this was kind of the rumor going around, but they have confirmed now that their E3 conferences or conference will be uh, one conference. Bethesda and Microsoft are going to have one conference that they do together. And here's what, uh, this is actually via IGN. I'm just going to read this straight from their article. Microsoft and Bethesda will host a joint E3 conference this year. The news was revealed in an interview with uh, LeFigaro, which I think is a French publication, where Xbox Game Studios head Matt Booty said the two companies will share the spotlight during E3 2021 following Microsoft's landmark, landmark $7.5 billion acquisition of ZeniMax. Here's his uh, Matt Booty's direct quote. Microsoft and Bethesda will host a joint conference this summer to introduce players to their upcoming projects he went on to say um, that this would be in a, uh, let's see. Oh, that he went on to say the conference would be coming in a few weeks. So he didn't necessarily say it was E3, but I think that's
1: definitely the implication here. Right, and this this just makes sense. We've already seen them do sort of like a joint stream round table thing. I don't know if you uh, watched that, Josh, but I remember watching that all the way through. And Okay, gotcha. Um, and uh, yeah, more of that. that. That was actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I
0: think uh, having them kind of be together on stage. I mean, Bethesda is a behemoth in the industry. They're not quite, or actually they're not nearly as big as Microsoft, but as far as game developers and publishers go, they're they're one of the biggest. So um, the fact that Microsoft is going to give them kind of maybe equal footing on stage as they get, I think it's cool, and I'm looking forward to it. This will be exciting.
1: Me too. Um, and like you said, it leads into our next topic. Man, if Starfield is like the big one more thing or the big focus, uh, sign me right up.
0: Yeah, that will be exciting. And yeah, that does lead into our deep dive discussion. So with that, we are going to take our first break. And when we get back, we'll talk some Starfield. And we're back. We are now going to get into our deep dive discussion of the week, which is, uh, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to call it what the hell is going on with Starfield? Because we kind of thought we knew earlier on last week when it was coming out based off of some rumors slash confirmations, and then uh, this morning we got another tweet that kind of contradicted that. So I'll get right into it. Jeff Grubb last week apparently knew when Starfield was coming out. Uh, he tweeted that it would be, he was kind of going back and forth with I think someone from Kind of Funny, and he confirmed that, and I think he used the word confirmed, that the game was coming out in spring of 2022. He also uh uh asserted, reiterated, I'm not sure what the word would be here, though, that uh, it would be a Game Pass exclusive, meaning that this game, Starfield, would come out on Xbox platforms and PC exclusively. Uh, that never got disputed from there. I, I, I That's kind of the way. I, uh, I would not be surprised if that's accurate. However, the release date did get um, kind of twisted this morning. Jason Schreier tweeted out. I don't think he revealed any sources that he had, but he revealed that it is actually going to be coming out in late 2022. So who knows? 2022 seems to be the date uh, the, or the window that Bethesda is shooting for, but we haven't heard from Bethesda. This is all coming from games journalists, so um, maybe we really don't know anything. Uh, with all that out of the way, uh, uh, Jackson, uh, where do you think the release window is going to land? And
1: and also just what are your thoughts on
0: uh, what starfield might end up turning out to be
1: so we'll start with the release uh stuff i want to give a little shout out to uh mr maddie plays um he's uh you know another content creator but uh he's shifted more to kind of news and covering scoops and whatnot and he's had his own internal sources and has been sort of following starfield closer i think than a lot of these bigger names um and, and according to him he would be shocked if the game would come out late 2022. So there's actually like a Hmm. lot of um, conflicting reporting going on. So that's why I think this is such a powder keg of an interesting situation. Um, But at the same time, um, I'm just going to go ahead and plant my flag and say 2022. Um, I don't know when. I don't know if it's going to be early or late. um, But there's some compelling points on either side. Um, And whatever happens... I just think that there's a lot writing on Starfield, uh, personally. Yeah, so uh, Mr. Matty Place thinks that it will come out early
0: 2022. That's correct, yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, it seems like the people who come out with their uh, 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 their predictions, they're very, um, l- like, people, like you said, are planting a flag on the ground. They're saying, like, no, it's early 2022, and I feel very confident about that, or late 2022, and I feel very confident about that, so... Um it's uh, it's kind of a showdown between <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see who who's right or wrong on this one.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I had some fun on Twitter this morning um just kind of not mocking anyone in particular but just uh poking fun at the whole investigative journalism angle cuz it's always funny, you know. According to my internal sources, we know X Y and Z. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, there there's a lot of uh, back and forth going on. It's kind of fun to watch.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely is uh and yeah, I do think that we I mean, I don't know if I'm going out on any limb saying this, but I do think that we will definitely see Starfield at E3. It's one of the things
1: I'm most excited to see. But uh, do you think we'll see it at E3? Absolutely. Yeah. And Jason Schreier actually um, pointed out that he, he quote, confirmed it will be at E3. So um, I'm 100 I'm percent expecting it to be there. And uh, we have had so many leaks over the last week or so. I don't know if you've you've seen, Josh, but but more screenshots, more just kind of uh, what I've heard been described as early 2018 um, builds have been leaking. So that's a long time ago um, uh, for, for those things to be leaking. But so many rumors have been flying lately.
0: Yeah, I have, you know, I did this morning, I just did a kind of a quick Google search of, because uh, I, I think I saw that, but then I, I hadn't actually seen the screenshot and I Googled, starfield screenshot and all that popped up was the stuff that we saw earlier you know there's that shot of i think an astronaut out on like a spacewalk right and then i saw some screenshots from the the one little teaser trailer that we obviously all saw uh, but no i haven't seen it. have you taken a look at those and is it uh, interesting stuff
1: it, okay so from a very broad perspective it's not interesting at all um it's only interesting if you're like really looking at the details so people are like picking apart uh, little logos and saying this could be a company that you know is like a manufacturer of guns and weapons and inventories and y- you know that sort of thing um, so yeah. there's some like some very uh I would say niche leaking going on not like huge like chunky leaks that give you a ton of detail about what the game is yeah and you know what
0: the game is is a big question I have so one of my biggest curiosities about Starfield is what does an open-world space RPG, assuming that that is what this is going to be, I don't know if we've heard anything to indicate that it might be something other than an open-world RPG, but what does that look like in space in 2022? Because unlike a game like Skyrim or Fallout, where you have you can literally walk, run, or ride from location to location, there's stuff to fill out the the literal space between locations in space in outer space you just have empty space so how do they create an open world in outer space in 2021 i know you just played mass effect and if i remember mass effect 2 when i played it you didn't fly from planet to planet you just selected which planet you wanted to go to so I'm, i'm curious what if you have any thoughts especially as a fan of mass effect and other bethesda games how you think they might handle
1: that that's a really interesting point. Um and I think it it's anyone's guess is the answer at this point. I think you do have to lean into what Bethesda's good at, which is giving you the absolute freedom to go anywhere and everywhere on the map. Um I do not foresee it to be a Mass Effect original original trilogy uh situation because those are it's very much corridor momentum um narrative beat to narrative beat driven. It's not open-ended you can choose the order in which you do things but you don't have that real real freedom and so i look at games like no man's sky which does try it tries to, to give you that complete freedom and it does but i've always felt that no man's sky is just very empty and um kind of rudderless so i don't know how they're going to approach it if they're going to give us like five worlds that are just very dense or If it's going to be a procedural generation um, situation, we don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, just that even the name itself is evocative of outer space, and I I would be surprised if there wasn't a good chunk of this game that doesn't take place in space. I mean, even the trailer they showed us. But at the same time, yeah, once you get to a planet, you're going to be on that planet. So it'll be really interesting, yeah, to see how they handle that. It's one of the things I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing when they um,
1: reveal this game, officially reveal it at, hopefully, E3. Right, and, and and I really hope we get some gameplay. I just want to tack that on because, uh, you know, we've already gotten a teaser. We got a teaser a couple of years ago. And so I think to get another teaser would be disappointing. I would be hugely disappointed, and I think a
0: lot of people would be, uh, especially if this game is slated for a 2022 release, that's really not that far away, uh, you know, and for especially for a game of this scale, I would think that that would mean they're... um I don't want to say done, but this game has got to be getting close to being finished, you know, if that's when they're bringing it
1: out. You know, I I, I don't want this to be like a negative call-out thing, but I, I in Jason Schreier's tweet, he was responding to another creator who said he had sources that the game has been, quote, mostly finished and is already done. And um, Jason <laughs> pretty much came down hard and was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, but uh, I think it's really still in active development. Like I, I would not be shocked if they're not um, like six months until the polishing phase. Like I, I bet they're just very, very much deep into development still.
0: Yeah. And another question, you know, especially with what they went through with uh, fallout 76, which of course that was more of an, a live service game, which this still could be, we don't know that, but maybe there'll be some
1: sort of beta period. Oh, that's a great point. And, but my question would be, is is that helpful for them? Is that helpful for the image of the game? Because um, I'm not quite sure that it is, that it that it should have one. I know that might sound counterintuitive, but maybe just spend more time in QA, you know? Just uh, <laughs> maybe clean up the game internally? Yeah. yeah that yeah. would be
0: my thing. Well, again, having gone through what they went through with uh, Fallout 76 and then seeing what CD. PR went through with Cyberpunk. I'm sure that they are. Uh, I would certainly hope that they are not going to release this until they feel it's good and ready. And um, you know that what that means for a Bethesda game it's kind of open for interpretation. <laughs> they always have bugs and glitches, but
1: right. Um, hopefully, playable is <laughs> what they're shooting for. Sure, and and one more thing, I I, I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, just in terms of. Um, being a Bethesda game and and the bugginess, uh, I, I, re- I really, really hope that uh, they, number one, know what the stakes are after Fallout 76 because I think it's hard to not look at Fallout 76. Sure, it has a dedicated player base and it might be steadily growing. We know that live service games that get supported, they do um, have those core audiences and that's how they're able to make it. Um, But it really, really, really needs to be good. It really needs to be solid, Um, especially after the acquisition. Yeah, yeah. We don't want a a BioWare situation
0: where uh, they have kind of release after release that seem to disappoint people. This would be, I feel like this is a pretty, pretty crucial release for Bethesda. So not to mention
1: Microsoft. For sure. Yeah, I can't see this as anything other than a flagship Microsoft game. I mean, Halo is kind of on the backslide, right? So yeah you know like that has to be big too there's a lot riding on it yeah and
0: i do want to just uh speaking of we said earlier kind of planting our flags in the ground i do think that and i may not be uh that you know i'm not the first to say this obviously but i do think that this is without a doubt going to be a microsoft xbox exclusive title along with pc i do not see a world where this releases on playstation
1: i've got nothing else to add i'm right there with you (laughs) yeah so uh
0: look forward to uh hopefully starfield news in the in the coming month i mean 3 weeks away that's where e3's at it's kind of hard to believe so uh, we're uh, coming up on this pretty pretty quick
1: right and i'm sure you're going to say this josh but um, we're going to be talking much more about e3 next week so
0: yeah yeah so uh definitely look forward to that um uh, in the in the coming week or weeks, but I do think it's going to be you know, most likely next week. Yeah, we may be making some E3 predictions. So uh, stay tuned next week if that's something you're interested in. Uh, we are going to be jumping on that bandwagon for sure. Absolutely. Excited for so, it. Yeah, me too. Uh, with that, we are going to take our second break. When we get back, we will dig into our mailbag. We'll be right back. And we're back. We are now going to get into our mailbag. Before we do, just want to thank everyone for listening through uh, the majority of the show. We appreciate you sticking with us. Um, if you want to write in and have your question read on our mailbag section, you can write to the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can at either one of us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Quest Mode Games on Twitter. Jackson, where can people find you? I am at JV on YT. So hit us up there or again at preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions or just uh, feedback, comments on the show. Uh, We love hearing from you. So we'll look forward to getting your messages. This week, we got a question from Glenn who asks, I listen to the podcast each week. I enjoy your generally positive outlook on games. It's refreshing. So thank you, Glenn. Uh, And to your question, I'm emailing to ask your opinions on narrative and dialogue choices. I've been getting into video games and recently finished Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Horizon Zero Dawn, and Assassin's Creed Origins, the former two having narrative dialogue choices. The more I think about this feature, the more critical I am of its use in games for several reasons. One, they require multiple branching stories, restricting the writer's abilities to write a focused storyline. Two, Choices you can make can be out of character, spoiling characters, development or decisions that would match their personality. Three, the dialogue has uncomfortable pauses and doesn't flow. And then four, the game, the games have to use less mocap cutscenes, and the characters, AI movements don't match the dialogue. So that was a lot, but there's definitely some good stuff in here. And, uh, um, you, you say you're interested to hear our, our opinions. Thanks Glenn from Ireland. So,
1: uh, After all that, Jackson, (laughs) uh, what are your thoughts? I could talk about this all the time, uh, all day long, Glenn. Uh, I think you really hit the nail on the head. I think that like narrative dialogue choices in games have become too gamified. That would be my big critique of them for the reasons um, that you mentioned. But also, I think we're kind of now conditioned to be like, oh, that's a fun thing to do or oh, that's cool. Um, it's kind of the RPGifying of action games. Um, we've been seeing that, uh, like you mentioned, with both of these franchises here. So I would say that most of the time, uh, I'm critical of these two. Uh, I really am. I think they have more drawbacks, actually, than they do benefits because they leave a lot of holes, a lot of ways to expose your game. Um, Horizon has some dead faces. It just does. The, the, the faces look kind of weird. And that's an uncanny valley issue. Um, and then you look at Valhalla. People had expectations of big, major narrative dialogue choices. It kind of happened, but I felt a little disappointed by it. Um, so Origins is the one that I think did it right. I, I don't need to choose dialogue. And I want a writer who's very talented at writing to tell me a good story. Sorry, that was a long answer but that's how i feel
0: no i'm i'm right with both of you on this i i do feel like it um it might add some just extra padding to a game like a game might have dialogue choices so they can say they have them and that they have uh that the that the player is going to be able to make some choices that actually have consequence but often they really don't have any consequence. And that's what bothers me. Um, if the writers can come up with really interesting choices where you're like, Oh man, if I go this way, that means one thing. And if I go this way, that really means another thing. And then they can follow through on that. I'm all for it, but I find that games do do that far more seldom than they say they do. So, um, I would prefer, yeah, less, uh, less padding, more just like you said, good storytelling. Mm -hmm. And if the best way to do that is to provide me choices, great. But if not, just tell me a story, you know, I don't need to choose. And, uh, It's it's stressful too sometimes, like choosing what to do with my character. Um, I just want to be told a story often.
1: Yeah, and you know what? That's kind of the comfort of Mass Effect to me. It's like you are making big – this may be weird to hear, but you are making big choices, but like they're not all that different, I think, at the end of the day. Um, Shepard is still Shepard, and I kind of like that. Yeah. So anyway, Glenn, thanks for the very uh,
0: thoughtful and detailed question. Uh, Keep them coming. Again, you can write us at preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And with that, we are going to
1: wrap it up. Before we do, Jackson, anything you want to plug on your channel? Um, Early next week, we'll have a review out of an upcoming game. I don't think I can say what it is yet, but um, yeah, look forward to it. Nice. And on my channel, I am
0: still cranking away on uh, my Ratchet & Clank preview. This one is going to be cutting it close to the release. I have a feeling, I don't know any information about this, but I have a feeling the review embargo might be coming out a little early. Sony often does that with their big uh, tentpole games that they're super confident in. So I'm going to try as hard as I can to get this preview out to give you guys some time to digest it before the reviews hit. Uh, And then I'm also going to have a video about an upcoming game that I can't talk about. So uh, look forward to that. And with that... We are all set. Thanks again to everyone who uh, stuck with us through the end of the show. Uh, We will look forward to seeing everyone next week. Bye, guys.